0: Thank you.
1: Thank you all very much. And uh, while uh, I'm extending thanks, let me um, just thank you guys for uh, your support of our missions ministries that Pastor Brian was saying. Thank you for your support of the ongoing ministry of the church. And uh, as you know, we're uh, heading toward the end of the year. And as you uh, make your year-end gifts, uh, we encourage you uh, to keep uh, the church in mind, keep these missions in mind. Uh, as you do so. Let me also give thanks. um, As you can see, the sanctuary is incredibly decorated. Uh, I told uh, Dale Seward, who led our decorating effort, Dale, thank you very much, that I felt like a kid walking through Macy's for the first time uh, a few days ago. It was just extraordinary. I I want to read those who helped her decorate uh, and thank them. Uh, Cindy and Jim Brown, uh, Claudia Carvalho and Daniel, uh, the Clark family, Cadania uh, Clark family, all of them, uh, Leticia and Carlos Quaylar, uh Jeanette Eldridge, Jody Fague, uh, Carrie and Ron Hayner, David Joseph, Gladys Lee, uh, Viola Miller, Amy Murphy, uh, Dale and Bill Seward, uh, Melanie Sorley and Jonathan, uh, Laura Wares, Walt Warm, and Donsella Young. Thank you all uh, very, very, very much. Uh, this is just a wonderful way. Uh, to put our our church in a festive spirit. So thank you for your your generous time. They were here several nights uh, making the place look wonderful. Um, So uh, I asked you earlier, or uh, Pastor Brian asked earlier, uh, if you would just text in your place of peace, what is that for you? Pastor Brian, will you uh, read off some of those um, answers? Um, We got a lot. There are Places that are intangible, like in my heart, in my state of mind, in prayer, reading daily devotionals. We also got a lot of specific places, like outdoors and nature, specifically the Blue Ridge Mountains, Mm -hmm. a quiet lake in the north, the beach, specifically the Bahamas. Um, Some said mornings with a cup of coffee, uh, underwater was an answer. Yeah, Uh, for a while. (laughs) uh, Yeah. Uh, Home. And then uh, a lot of people noted with the Lord, with Jesus, or with particular people who make them feel loved, like their family, their mom, their puppies, uh, their cousins. Well, thank you. Thank you. And thank you all for, for participating. Um, your place of peace. I know uh, I submitted one. I absolutely love the uh, Blue Ridge Mountains, particularly when you can see the, the sunrise uh, coming up over the mountains or the other direction, the sun the sunset. Well, today is is the third Sunday of Advent, and in our series, Unto Us, uh, we have been celebrating the gifts of Jesus. So the first week, we celebrated the gift of hope. Uh, Last week, we celebrated the the gift of a deep and abiding joy in Christ. And today, uh, we're going to celebrate what it means to have a lasting peace. And we've been plunging into the ancient Hebrew book of Isaiah, which is filled with passages about a future Messiah. These passages are called prophecies, and as Christians, we believe in faith that these ancient prophecies point to Jesus as God's anointed king, God's anointed Messiah, God's anointed servant. Let me invite you to turn or, uh, or launch your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. Isaiah Chapter 11, verses 1 through 10, the text will be on the screen uh, right behind me as well. It reads like this. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. The leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf, and the lion, and the yearling together, and the little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the, Lord will be, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. This is the word of the Lord. This is such a powerful and poignant description of the life and work of Jesus that ultimately leads to his lasting peace. Now, I think we could spend a couple of months in this passage alone Uh, But we're not going to do so. We're just going to spend today. And what I want us to do is look at three things. I want to look at the heart of Jesus. I want us to look at the work of Jesus. And I want us to see the result of his heart and of his work. The Old Testament is full. It's absolutely full of exploits of the various kings of Israel who were bad kings because they were unfaithful. The bottom line on these kings is that their hearts were not in alignment with the heart of God. They did not rule fairly nor faithfully. Now we see a description of Jesus, the anointed one, the true and faithful Israelite, the true and faithful king. He is described as ruling with wisdom and understanding, with counsel and might. Righteousness and faithfulness will be his garment. In other words, you can't separate righteousness and faithfulness from Jesus. And get this, this is the key I want us to see today. He will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will delight in the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord here means to hold God in awe and in reverence. Now, it wouldn't be um, unthinkable for you to ask If Jesus is a part of the Trinity, and since he is the Lord, how can he hold himself in awe and fear? So Jesus is is co-equal with God. How can he hold himself in awe and fear? That sounds like a worldly ruler. That sounds like a worldly ruler enamored with themselves. Worldly rulers are often enamored with themselves, their ego, but not Jesus. This is what makes Jesus unique. This is what makes Jesus the one and only. On one hand, absolutely. Yes, co-equal member of the Trinity. Jesus was and is God. He said, I and the Father are one. The writer of Hebrews calls him the exact representation of the being of God. Yet, on the other hand, when we read about his life, when we read about how he submitted himself to, to the will and the way of God, to come and to dwell unto us. When we read in Philippians chapter 2 that this ancient hymn sings about Jesus, and it said he made himself nothing. He made himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant. What we see here is Jesus modeled the way for us. He showed us first and foremost that we must live in such a way that we submit our lives to the will and the way of God. He modeled for us that we should take delight in the awe and the mystery of God, that we should hold God in reverence. This means that we can trust the wisdom and counsel of Jesus. We can trust His judgment. We can trust His lordship is the way the Bible describes it. We can trust His teaching. We can trust His direction. We can trust His rule and His claim on our lives. I've mentioned before, uh, over the last few years, I've taken up the hobby of cooking, and I enjoy cooking for our family and when I have time for for others. And as a a novice chef, uh, I am fairly bound to a recipe. Uh, I, I follow the recipe almost to a T sometimes, and I don't trust my own instincts enough not to mess up a dish. And when I do mess up a dish, it's either one of two things happened. I either just didn't execute the recipe well, or I got a little ahead of myself. I got a little heady, if you will. And I thought, you know what? There's no way that this needs that much sugar. And usually it's the other way around. Hey, it needs a little more sugar. Or, hey, I can take a shortcut. I don't really need to beat the eggs outside of the dry ingredients before. You know, just take a shortcut. That's usually when I mess up. I'm just, I don't trust my instincts enough. Jesus is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the chef of chefs. We can trust his recipe for how we are to live our lives. We can trust his recipe for what it takes to please the heart of God. We can follow him knowing that his desire when he walked the earth was to please the Father and to bring praise and glory to his name. And my friends, this brings us peace. You can trust Jesus and his counsel and his wisdom and his understanding for your life. There is nothing more unsettling than to lack trust in a leader's ability or to be led by a leader with selfish desires and a bad heart. It is unsettling, and it brings us a great amount of stress. I've counseled so many people in my ministry, in every church of which I've been a part, who have struggled with their perceived notion of a bad boss. At work. I won't ask you to raise your hands. And we need to take this to heart too, right? We need to be leaders, friends, and family members others can trust. We need to be people with pure and honest motives in in every sphere of influence. We can bring peace in our relationships. If we relate to others with a heart that desires to please the heart of God. Isaiah says he will lead with wisdom and counsel and understanding because he will delight in the fear of God. We need people who delight in the awe and the reverence of the Lord. His heart, aligned with God's heart, brings us peace. Let's talk about his work. The ultimate work of Jesus was on the cross when he died, so that we could be at peace with God. We're going to look at that topic in the whole sermon next week when we celebrate the love of Jesus. But let me ask you to look at a little bit of how Isaiah describes some of his other work, if you will. Listen to this it says, He will not judge by what he sees with his ears or decide by what he hears with his ears, sees with his eyes, or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. My, oh my. This is why I love Jesus so much. His justice rings true and deep. A few series ago, we spent an entire message on the biblical concept of justice. Let me encourage you to go to our our website and our archives and you, you can see that sermon there or hear it there. Let me just give a snapshot here. The biblical concept of justice is much fuller than we often think of the term justice. We typically think of justice in legal terms, making sure that someone that has done something wrong is held accountable or making sure that people are treated fairly. Biblical justice has a a fuller meaning. We could say that biblical justice is justice with a heart. And the word for justice in the Old Testament and New Testament is almost always synonymous with the word righteousness. It is often paired with the word mercy and includes looking out for the most vulnerable in our communities. We engage in justice, Timothy Timothy Keller said, when we give all human beings their due as creations of God, Justice includes not only the righting of wrongs, but generosity and social concern, especially toward the poor and the vulnerable. God's justice demands that we have an uncommon care and concern for those who are poor. And our goal is not equality, remember we talked about. Equality means everyone gets the same. Rather, our goal is equity. Everybody gets what they need in order to be whole, in order to experience the shalom, the peace. The shalom, peace is a with the word shalom, and in the Bible it just doesn't mean an absence of conflict, it means a wholeness and well-being for everyone. God's peace. So back to our text. What we learn from Isaiah is that Jesus will not administer justice like mortal kings, like earthly kings. They do what is good for them and what it takes to maintain power. They administer justice based on what they see, outward appearances. They judge based on who looks good or who makes them look good, but not Jesus. They judge based on what they want to hear and those who are willing to kiss the ring and flatter the king, but not Jesus. They judge based on power and prestige. They judge in favor of the up and coming and not the down and out, but not Jesus. Jesus is a good and a righteous and a just king. Jesus will do what is right according to the standards of the one who is right. With Jesus in charge, the poor and those in need will no longer take the back seat to the powerful and the privileged with Jesus in charge, the first will be last, and the last will be first. With Jesus in charge, hungry bellies are fed, the naked are clothed, the thirsty are giving something to drink, and the prisoners visited knowing and being told that with God there's a second chance. Don't you want to love and worship and follow Jesus? You see, that kind of righteousness And true justice brings us a deep peace. There's nothing so unsettling, nothing so unsettling than to see those who are poor and in need exploited, abused, ignored, and neglected. Jody and I went with a team last night to the carpenter shelter and. Uh, toward the end of, of the meal, we were sh- serving dinner there, and toward the end of the meal, there's was this uh, older gentleman who had really serious health problems and uh, helped him get his food and settled him in at the table and everything. And I was talking to the shelter coordinator, and she told me some of his, his health challenges, and she just said the hospital turned him out too soon. They just turned him out too soon. Because he just can't care for himself yet, and they turned him out too soon was her word over and over. They just turned him out too soon. The Carpenter Shelter is a wonderful place. It's not an assisted living facility, though. See, that's not justice. You can you can call it whatever you want to call it. You want to blame insurance companies, whatever you want to do. I don't know, but that's not right. See, that's neglect. It's neglect of the most vulnerable in our community. That's unsettling, isn't it? We have to take this deeply into our hearts. We are called to work for justice and peace. We are called to serve, love, and live in such a way that those who are on the margins of life are cared for, and not just cared for, but lifted up, loved, and valued. Who's on the margins? You know, Sometimes it's hard for us to name who is on the margins because we don't see them, right? And so God's people have to gather, and we have to talk. And so I see this person on the margins, but you may see somebody I don't see. And so that's a a question we might need to crowdsource sometimes. We won't today. But who do you see that I am not seeing? Who do you see being left out that I am not seeing? I'll give you a little list here the homeless veteran who can't keep a job because of PTSD, the addict who can't break their addiction, the wealthy person who's lost every relationship, every family member, and every friend because of their obsession with work and money, the senior citizen living in a care facility with faded memories and few family members to stop by, the immigrant who's trying to earn a living for her family in a strange and often hostile land, the son or daughter who for whatever reason has lost a sense of home and can't go home. Or as the Bible simply summarizes, we're to look after the quartet of the vulnerable. The poor, the widow, the orphan, and the immigrant or stranger in the land. See, we're called to work for this justice. We know that True and full and complete justice will only come in the fullness of God's time. But as God's people, we're called to do the work of the Lord. This is the work Jesus did. And this is the work that begins to settle and give us a peace. Without this work being done, my friends, we are going to live in an anxious, fear-driven, stress-addicted culture. Because you can't look at the vulnerable being abused, neglected, and ignored and feel deep. Oh, you can ignore it for a bit, but you can't feel a lasting peace. You can't click the remote and change the channel all the time. His result. Verses 6-8 through form some of the most famous verses in all the Old Testament. Tons of artwork uh, being painted on uh, interpretations of this passage, and sometimes slightly wrong interpretations. They get the animals wrong sometimes in some of them, but... The wolf will live with the lamb, calf, and lion, and so on. And the little child will lead them. The predator, the predator will live in peace with the prey. The hunted will no longer be the spoils of the hunter. The predator will live in peace with the prey. The hunted will no longer be the spoils of the the hunter. I live with a ferocious hunter-predator. Don't let that cute face fool you. Schnauzers hunt mice and other vermin, but this Schnauzer, Gus, his main prey is the U.S. Postal Service. When the mail is dropped through our front door, And onto the floor, look out. Hell hath no fury than Gus after the U.S. Postal Service. We've asked our carrier not to put it through the slot, but they do most of the time. And if we're at home, it's a mad dash to the door. And if he gets the mail before we do, there's not a paper shredder in town that can do it so thoroughly and so quickly. If you've got junk mail, bring it over. You can go ahead and take that off there, Michael. The natural instincts of the hunter are to hunt, to inflict pain, to compete, and to conquer. They prey. The prey, excuse me, lives on constant watch and needs to be ready to flee at a moment's notice. Think about that. The prey lives on constant watch and they need to flee and run in a moment's notice. That is not peace. But the work of Jesus has and will change all of this. Some take this passage to have two meanings. Some believe that in the age to come, when when Christ returns, remember in Advent we point back, to his birth, and we point forward to his return. Some believe that in the age to come, that in the new redeemed creation, the animals will actually live in harmony and peace with one another. Some take that to mean that. All scholars take this passage to mean that this is a metaphor for the human heart. It might mean both, but all agree that this is a metaphor for the human heart. It is possible for us to live in peace with people with whom we struggle or oppose. It is possible for us to forgive someone who's hurt us deeply and to be reconciled. God works in such a way in the human heart. His Spirit brings us and gives us because of His love poured out for us. That's next week. But because of His Spirit, we have grace to give forgiveness. We have mercy. We have all we need to look upon others and build a bond that brings reconciliation. We have it through the power and the capacity of the Holy Spirit. We have it now. We have it. But we know that this peace in our world is not fully realized. But it will be when Christ returns. In his kingdom, when it is fully consummated, there will be no evil, no oppression, no violence, no wars. It's a beautiful passage in Revelation 21 was read today. And that is his lasting peace for us and unto us. No more war. No more violence. No more pain. No more being hunted. No more predator. No more prey. We started out by naming our place of peace. I texted mine in. And mine is the, the Blue Ridge Mountains. On my sabbatical, I had an opportunity to spend some time there. And I, again, appreciate the opportunity to get away. And uh, in, in uh, one of the places I stayed, I had this beautiful, beautiful view of the sunrise coming up over the Blue Ridge. That's my, my chance to take that picture. And it, the glare is just because it's so stunning. And I would grab a cup of coffee each morning, and I would just watch that sunrise come up over the beautiful Blue Ridge and it was peace. I mean, how can you see that and just not have some peace? Until one morning. One morning, I'm sipping my cup of coffee, watching this incredible sunrise. And all of a sudden, I hear this, weee a power saw. The condo above mine was being renovated. And they started early. I guess they wanted to leave early that day. They started early. It was we and then hammering, and then you could hear it. I think they were dragging a circus of elephants across the floor. It just left. It wasn't peaceful. It was kind of frustrating. I got selfish. I, got, I kind of went up, I knocked on the door. And then I, I made friends with the workers, and I just knew okay, this is their schedule the rest of the time. All those places we turned in physical places like this, we know that the peace can be interrupted. As nice as it can be. What was that one? Bahamas and, you know, Bahamas, nobody around. It, a shark can come up and get you. <laughs> or get stung by a jellyfish. Something. We know it. But there's one in whom our peace Will rest. There's one in whom he is called the Prince of Peace, who will settle our hearts and settle our souls. He will give us his peace in the midst of the storm that passes all human comprehension. His name is Jesus, King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, for us, unto us. Amen.